This marriage is ending. My marriage is not ending. It's just on hiatus. To put his family back together, Daniel Hillard needed a job. Do you have any special skills? I do voices. Yes! Nancy and I are still looking for the other half of my head. Look at me right now, money penny. I want to undo that bow and get to know you. Mr. Hillard, do you consider yourself humorous? I used to. And a decent home for his kids. How do you like it? Can't you just tell Mom you're sorry? But he found a way. I'm placing an ad for a housekeeper. Housekeeper? Could you make me a woman? To have both. Wow. Let's pray. Hello? Euphigenia, don't fail. Exactly. And I, I, you know, as much as, I don't know, I try not to go anywhere, but every so often I'll be like, I want some Taco Bell. And I'll go to the <laughs> drive-thru and I'm really, really safe. But then but the, after yeah, the, I'm like, that wasn't worth it. <laughs> the dri- well, it probably was. Um, it the dri- No, drive-thru stuff is fine because it's like you need to be like neck within six feet of a person for like a stretch of time. Right. Which I um, like. You're... I appreciate that the virus is doing that for us. Yeah. Where it's like... <laughs> <laughs> the virus is still allowing transactional rela- basically anything <laughs> anything you could do in a long form improv scene you can't do during no, a pandemic. No 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 no. This is comedy but, sports not UCB. Right, exactly. Yeah. Transactional scenes, short form scenes, scenes where there's no relationship between the two characters, um <laughs> scenes with like Pimping limited <laughs> limited emotional uh reaction like that's all perfect for this. Yeah, and yeah. So- and ideally somebody says no and yeah, Fuck exactly. Off. Exactly. You say no, and then you end the conversation blackout. as quickly as you can. I just like <laughs> verbally say the word blackout. And then- <laughs> Speaking as a former bad improviser, this has really been my mo- moment to shine. <laughs> very poorly i'm tony ginocchio joined as always by my wonderful co-host a friend um that i value so much that if a judge said that i was not allowed to see her anymore i would defy the court order and disguise myself so that i could see her on a regular basis perhaps without her knowing it's nadia vasquez the feeling is mutual (laughs) Definitely. I, I can't wait to wear the prosthetics because yeah. this, this will inevitably happen. Folks, in our last... So first of all, we're we're back again. Like, we started season three and then we forgot about Thanksgiving, <laughs> so we didn't record for like three weeks. We're back now, for real. Sorry, Sorry. about that. Sorry. Very dumb. We're almost definitely going to do it again. You um, know what? I feel like, I feel like <laughs> mentally... I am on Rainbow Road and I've fallen off the abyss, <laughs> and and I'm like waiting for that little orange bitch in the cloud to come pick me, like a fish me out. But the the bad part about it is that I have to be my own little orange bitch in the cloud and fish myself out. Well, and that's the challenge of for all of us, really. Yeah, yeah. But if someone was to ask me, like, 
you know, how are you doing? The short answer would be like, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, things are still okay. Yeah, but uh, I'm really <laughs> mentally on Rainbow Road. In our previous episode, um, we were watching The Nutty Professor, and that that's this big, broad comedy from the mid-'90s, uh, directed by, like, kind of a well-established comedy director, um, starring a former stand-up who had become this powerhouse uh, box office draw um, comedic actor uh, and uh, with a, a hastily assembled script in which that actor wears a fat suit for most of the movie. So for this week, we're going to do all of that again, but also it's about family court. And our selection this week is uh, the one and only 1993 smash hit Mrs. Doubtfire, directed by Chris Columbus, um, starring Robin Williams, Sally Field, Pierce Brosnan, of all people. What a cast. uh, Harvey Firestein, uh, Mara Wilson, a pre-Matilda Mara Wilson uh, and uh, I feel like that's kind of all the big names, right? Uh, you forgot Matthew Lawrence, star of Brotherly Love. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? One and of the Matthew greatest Lawrence. shows that you can watch on YouTube right now. It's it's great. If if you don't mind, Tony, I, I know that generally you, will, you would do a great synopsis, but I found one on Common Sense Media written by a child, a 13-year-old, oh, and it's, I, have to, I have to provide this for us as our summary. So... Mrs. Doubtfire is about a parent who loves their children, but he becomes divorced, thus making him separate from his children. So he turns to his homosexual brother to make a woman's suit and a face of an old lady to become close to his children. I, uh, sorry, I, no, it's Mrs. Doubtfire, not Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> I like, he wrote, he turns to his homosexual brother. I love it. I loved it. So, yeah, uh, I don't know what other uh, synopsis you had planned, but I thought that that one covered pretty much everything. No, I mean, that pretty pretty much covered it. Uh, Robin Williams plays Daniel Hillard, the voice actor with a conscience, who, <laughs> who uh, he, you know, divorces his wife, uh, doesn't have custody of his kids. And, and so, as, as Nadia just explained, um, his brother is a makeup artist, so he disguises himself. And this movie, just like Nutty Professor, won Best Makeup at the Oscars, uh, disguises himself as an old English nanny uh, named Euphigenia Doubtfire. Um, <laughs> amazingly, this is based on a novel. I did oh. not know that. It's based on like a YA novel uh, from the late 80s called Alias Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, from what I understand, it, it appears to be a pretty faithful adaptation wow. of the novel. In terms of where this fell in Robin Williams' career, he had already been nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars three times oh, <laughs> before geez. this had come out. Yeah, for um, Fisher King, Good Morning Vietnam, and Dead Poet Society, I believe. And well deserved. Had, yeah, all, all well deserved. He had already done Hook and Aladdin, so he'd already proven that if you put me in a family movie, it's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um. And so you take that, you dress him up like a woman, which is automatically funny. That's yeah. going to be one of the main themes of, of this course. film. Yes. Um, you put it in the hands of Chris Columbus, who had uh, directed Adventures in Babysitting. He directed Home Alone, which at the time was the highest grossing live action comedy ever made. Uh, it, basically, it was a can't miss proposition in terms of 
um, making money. Uh, it was Fun the fact. fifth highest. Fun fact, oh. though, uh, yeah. Daniel Radcliffe's father was a producer on this movie. No kidding. And Chris Columbus was obviously the director of the first Harry Potter movie. So there's a little nepotism there. Still love you, Dan Rad. No, Dan, I like Dan Rad better than Chris Columbus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, this was the fifth highest grossing movie of 1993. Number one was Jurassic Park. Um, oh, but damn. You can't not agree with that. Not only uh, was this in the top 10 movies of 1993, um, and of course our theme this whole season is movies that were in the top 10 box office, it was also in the top 10 highest grossing movies of 1994, because it came out late 93, and it made even more money in 1994 than it did in 93. The total domestic gross was close to $220 million. Like I said, it won an Oscar for Best Makeup. It was nominated... Uh, no, I'm sorry, it won Golden Globe Awards for Best Actor for Robin Williams and for Best Picture, uh, this one Best Picture serious? at the Golden Globes. Yes. What was it up against? Uh, it was So uh, the one thing I'll say about the Golden Globes is they separate comedy and drama oh, awards. Right. I forgot So it would have only been competing against comedies, but I don't know what it was up against okay. um, offhand. Uh, a massive success. Is it a good movie? Uh, we'll get into that. What I would argue is, without Robin Williams, this would be basically unwatchable, I think. I agree. I agree. I think, I I bet you the script was very, very thin. Yes. And Robin Williams just filled it in for everybody. Which is what they did with Aladdin, for the genie. Yes. They just kind of let him do whatever he wanted, and then they animated to his voice, which I think is very powerful. (laughs) That's the goal. This movie is over two hours long, which is unacceptable. Unacceptably Um, long. I I forgot how long this movie was, but I think as a child, you don't really care. His, yeah, and the reason it's over two hours long is very obviously to let Robin riff. Like, (laughs) this is called the Robin riff. That's very, very clear. And look, if you're going to let anyone riff, He's good at it. He's folks. got it. Have you have you watched his uh, interview f- with David Letterman for this movie? Because the no, entire time he just riffs and does a bunch of crazy voices for like the first four and a half minutes, and mm. then Dave gets to his first question. <laughs> it's pretty amazing to watch. It was a little much. I had to turn it off. I mean, he's a, a remarkable performer. He was a, a he was a stand up comedian. In fact, there's a story about Dave Letterman seeing him do stand up at a club. And uh, while Dave Letterman was going to go up next and Letterman sees Robin Williams perform and is like, well, shit, I'm not going to have a career now. Um, (laughs) You know, an incredible performer. He gives it his all in this film. Um, It is uh, the story on paper is so batshit insane Um, because, I mean, it literally is about a divorced dad getting around a family court judge. Yeah, and also scamming his wife out of $300 a week. Like, scamming his wife, like, we're we're going to get into this, but there are some scenes where he, as Mrs. Doubtfire, is just giving Sally Field, uh, his wife, just incredible fucked up <laughs> advice. Yeah. But, but before we get into the details of the film, obviously we have to place this in its moment in history. Um, and so we're going back to 1993. I think we've covered one or two films from this year before, but not, Nadia, tell me about 1993. So we covered 
pop culture in 1993 when in our episode of Dave. So if you want to listen to that, go back and listen to that. I wanted to do, since there's so much trans panic in this movie and just arguably very homophobic in general, uh, I decided to go into the LGBTQIA history of this nice. year. It was actually a pretty busy time for oh. my community here. So uh, Minnesota banned private sector discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity, becoming the first U.S. state to enact a law addressing transgender civil rights in 1993. Good for them. Good for them. Interesting that they are still a red state. Or are they a swing state? I don't think they're still Wait, red. Minnesota? Yeah. No, Minnesota went blue this year. They, I, I think it was closer than they would have liked, but they, they went blue this year. Good job to everyone in Minneapolis. Shout out, Kyle. Okay. Uh, the third gay rights march in Washington, D.C. was held, and it was the first time uh, over one million participate, participants came, which is pretty exciting. That is. Uh, the Hawaii Supreme Court in 1993 ruled that denying marriage licenses to same-sex couples constitutes discrimination. Hmm. And so that is amazing from Hawaii. Uh, voters in Cincinnati, Ohio, and Lewiston, Maine repealed bans on discrimination based on homosexual orientation. So this is, we have to remember that uh, same-sex marriage wasn't legalized by the Supreme Court up I think for like five, I think it was five years ago was when yeah, that happened. Yeah, it was. It was 2015. Like at in 1993, if you were gay and you wanted to get married, you would have had to go into Canada. Yeah, yeah. And also just the, I guess the discrimination was just absolutely rampant. Also, Reagan was the president in 80, 81 to 89. So obviously that community was treated very poorly. So this is. These are huge steps forward, for sure. Um, but as far as pop culture goes and representation of queer people in media, that was the same year that Philadelphia came out. In which, oh, okay. Yeah, in which Tom Hanks won an Oscar for his performance um, as someone who suffered from HIV and AIDS. And it won, yeah, I think it just won Best Actor. I think it, it was yes. up for Best Picture, but it did not win. But No, because yes. that was... Um... It was like Braveheart or something that year. But yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so there were a lot of steps forward. And then this movie came out and there were a few steps back. A few steps back. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's funny because there's a scene which we'll get to. It, it's when the son figures out that Mrs. Doubtfire is actually his dad or is actually a man. Mm-hmm. And his, his his instinct is to call the police for some reason. Right. Um, like, this this is a matter for a criminal investigation. Like, it is so weird to I've, see that. Oh, yeah. I vividly remember the trailer, watching the trailer every time it came on, and that scene where he goes, he's a she, he's a she, she. Yeah. Yes, yes. That, so when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, this is deeply, deeply ingrained in my memory, and I don't like it. Yeah. And it's weird because, like, as we are – it's December 2020. As we were recording this, like, two days ago, Elliot Page came out as transgender, <sighs> who is probably the mo- most famous person in Hollywood to to be transgender, right? We would say oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, acclaimed actor, uh, star of our previous selection, Juno, which yes. is good now. Um, <laughs> and it's... <laughs> I've always thought it was good. I will die on that hill. Uh, and it's um, and it's interesting because, like, 
one of the one of the things I know you and I kind of both talked about this a little bit, Nadia, uh, over Twitter. But one of the things that immediately springs into your mind is how funny it is imagining how mad J.K. Rowling gets <laughs> whenever someone new comes out as transgender, and um, and it's like on the one hand we've come such a long way in that we have much more representation and we have you know I think much much more positive and welcoming um atmosphere in many respects but also in a lot of others we still got a lot of shit human beings out there yeah but i just think it means that we just have to stop paying attention to them no we we definitely need to stop paying attention to to jk rowling oh yeah Uh, which really hurts because (laughs) weirdly that world that she created that so many of us found a home in is so much more accepting and wonderful and it just makes no sense. But, you know, then when people go into the deep dive of what, like, being a werewolf means yeah. and, and, like, the goblins, I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe it wasn't as bad as I th- – or as good as I thought. Yeah, to answer Dumbledore's final question, uh, it was in your head and it's not real. Anyways. <laughs> Imagine, like, someone's kid is listening on, like listening to our pod along with their parent and they're like, it's not real. <laughs> um should we should we talk about the film yes okay i have a question for you Uh, yes when you how many times do you think you've watched this as a kid as a kid i don't know maybe like uh five or six like i i I had seen it a few times oh really i it was something that i would watch a lot especially when it was on tv it would just be on in the background at my house and so to, to watch it from start to finish as an adult was a trip it was an absolute trip. My first note is just I would have divorced Daniel. Yeah. Like. Just, oh yeah. Uh, Let, we... Let's let's paint the picture of who Daniel is. Okay. So he's first of all, he's a voice actor. Which I I when I saw that first scene, I was like, this is the dream job. Everybody who is an actor wants this job. Mm-hmm. He he's an he's a voice actor with a conscience, but he can't keep a steady job. So his wife has to work, and so he, I guess, takes care of the kids, but mostly runs amok and causes more problems. Uh, he he, tr- is... he tries too hard to be a cool dad, I mean, is yeah, the thing, right? Yeah, he's irresponsible. Uh, he's messy. He also turns everything back on his wife that she says, yes. which was my initial huge problem. Where I was like, I'm on his side because, you know... It w- I mean, first of all, I wouldn't get a petting zoo that- for his for his son's birthday party. That's yeah. the one. <laughs> so the the inciting incident for the divorce is um, Daniel uh, quits his job. He picks up his kids, uh, and it's uh, his son's birthday. So he he rents a he he hires a petting zoo to come to his house, which is like just completely out of bounds. His wife had already been like, "We're not having a party." He goes way over the top. She gets home. There's a fucking goat in the house. Right. And there's, there's kids, a huge fight. There's yeah. kids jam, jump, jumping up and down, jamming out to jump around. To and jump was, around, yeah. And I was like, you know what? Like, this is a pretty tight party as a kid. I would probably really want to be here. And then I thought about Sally Field. And I was like, this poor woman is trying to have some sort of structure in these children's lives. And this man is absolutely destroying everything. And so I thought, yes, I would definitely want a divorce from that but he's just so much worse than this movie allows him to be. Like, I know that he's supposed to be our hero, but he's just not great. He, yeah, he's not, like, 
Hey, I, I, like, look, guys. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to bring people down here, and I don't want to be the heavy like Sally Field felt she was in the marriage. This man is bringing nothing to this marriage. Agreed. Or, and I'm not saying that, like, oh, he's not providing, he's not drawing a paycheck. I mean, like, he's not, like, doing any work to take care of his kids. <laughs> right, right. He's just, like, the cool parent. So, right. that, I don't, I didn't feel, as an adult, watching it as a kid, I remember being like, this mom is so uptight. But as yeah. an adult, I'm like, I get this, but why am I supposed to be on his side? And it took me a while to get there. Yeah. Um, and so he basically, he gets kicked out of the house. He crashes with his brother, who's Harvey Firestein, who works as a makeup artist. Um, and, and then basically we kind of get the, the custody hearing, um, early on and, uh, establishing Mrs. Doubtfire is probably the most important film ever made about father's <laughs> rights and family court. Um, basically he doesn't have a job at this point doesn't have a place to live so the judge is like well the mom's gonna get full custody we'll reconvene in 90 days and revisit if you get a job uh and find a place to live then we'll reassess the custody agreement yeah and Uh, this is taking place in san francisco post reagan (laughs) post trickle down economics like that already was supposed to not be working so i don't know how he got a job so fast (laughs) I don't know how he got his own place so fast. Because that's right, right? Because he gets a job, right? He works at a a television studio, basically just doing... um, KTVU! KTVU! This movie made me really (laughs) homesick for the Bay Area, just by the way. Um... And, uh, and so he, you know, he's devastated that he lost custody because he can't live without his kids. He meets with his caseworker, who's an uptight bitch, (laughs) and... (laughs) And uh, we have kind of one of the one of the earliest big riffs uh, in the film. So uh, good. Which is which is where she says, "Do you have any special skills?" And he says, "Yeah, I do voices." And then he just does every voice he can think of. This is the, my favorite one. Was the hot dog? I I do, <laughs> I do a great impression of a hot dog. I like. This is extremely dark, but I like when he's doing Ronald Reagan and he says, Nancy and I are still looking for the back half of my head. (laughs) I I really love this riff, but I also thought a lot of his voices sound like Mrs. Doubtfire. So I feel like that should have tipped off that social worker a little bit. I get like that's the other well, we'll 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 get, we'll to, get to that. We'll get to that. Um, we'll get to that. But like, so so basically, he's found a job. Right, he he gets a job. He gets an apartment pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can't leave well enough alone. Uh, meanwhile, we see Miranda's life. She is, and I was trying to figure out what her actual job is because I assumed she was a lawyer, and she's not. She's an she's account lo- executive at a designing firm. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. Okay. So it's a design firm. Yeah. And. Um, she's like restoring houses and stuff. She's at her office. Pierce Brosnan, who is apparently an old friend of hers, walks in and says, I want to restore this house mainly as an excuse to fuck you. Yeah, she was like, I want to fuck you back. <laughs> she's like, I will gladly fuck you. Uh, but it, it, Pierce Brosnan comes in, he's going to be one of the main antagonists of the film. I got to say, I think he's great. Oh, he's good in this. He's very good in this. I know. I think he's good for Miranda. 
Oh, yeah, no, he's also a much better, he would be a much better partner than Daniel Wood. I'm, like, totally flip-flopping as an adult. I'm like, yeah, Pierce Brosnan is better. Look, guys, here's here's the thing. (laughs) We're in our 30s. Fuck Mrs. Doubtfire. (laughs) We haven't even gotten to, like, the meat of the story. We're just like, this is bad. We're 15 minutes in. Fuck this guy. Like, if you, if you, any, if you divorce someone and they fucking dress up as another human being and deceive you for, like, six months. (laughs) They basically gaslight you in disguise. Insane. Telling you, telling you never fuck anyone again. (laughs) Like, manipulating your youngest daughter. Like, just... (laughs) Just, just anyways. no, just, just throw throw the whole man away. Oh, this is terrible. Oh uh, god. But, <laughs> but the reason we gotta get to like why why Mrs. Doubtfire, right, right. right. He he has his kids over for dinner because he he gets visitation rights once a week. He has his kids over for dinner in his sad apartment, and they have sad Chinese food <laughs> uh, at their sad table. And there, this is some serious like divorce sad porn. Like, no, you're my goddamn kids too. Don't go yet. Yeah, it's totally appropriate to say that in front of your children. Love it. <laughs> well, I mean, they're old enough to handle it. Meryl Wilson's, what, five in this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she is so sweet and cute and soft-spoken in this movie, I think. She, she is. What a little star. She was, and she did um, Miracle on 34th Street around this time, too. And it, I mean, same deal. She was, She's adorable. Amazing. Um, And uh, so... Miranda comes in to pick up her kids from Daniel's sad apartment. Without knocking. She just opens the door. <laughs> that Right. She she has a key. She just walks in. Um, and he hears that she is going to be... She's placing a classified ad for a housekeeper. Right. And he's like, this is my inn. Mm-hmm. He, t- he, like, borrows the ad from her, changes the phone number on it, so no one who calls the ad is going to get through to her, which is, like, by itself. Red flag. By itself, very bad. Very she, bad. There's also a moment, I made a note of this, when she's asking him a lot of questions in his apartment, and he says, what is this, Dances with Wolves? Or something like that. Or <laughs> no, she... Oh, no, her outfit, her outfit. Yes. Yes, was... he points to her outfit. He's like, what's this Dances with Wolves motif? That was him riffing. They did not have permission to reference Dances with Wolves, so they ended up having to pay, like, thousands of dollars to clear that. That was, like, their best option? Yeah. (laughs) No offense to Robin Williams, just by the way, because I love him. We love him. We (laughs) love you, Robin. Like, uh, like, legitimately, like, one of the bigger influences growing up on my sense of humor. Absolutely. And and, um, And my heart. and again, like it, it, a man that everyone loved, obviously, no, you know, nobody had a bad thing to say about him as a human being, but um, this script got a lot of holes in it. And, you know, um, he said like he literally single handedly saved this movie. Oh, for in sure. retrospect, if anyone else had played it, I don't think it would have done as well. I, no. I let me pitch somebody. Let me think. <laughs> Not Chevy Chase. Okay, what about, like, how would Jim Carrey play this? Because this is the year before he broke out. Oh, fuck. Um, too much. It would be too much. <laughs> See, that's what I'm thinking, too. Because I think Robin Williams can nail that uh, making it sweet as oh, yeah, well. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
And I don't think Carrie could do that. Yeah, Robin Williams has that level to him that is kind of heartbreaking that I don't think a lot of actors have but try to have. Mm-hmm. Just by changing the way his mouth or is or something just yeah. like oh i'm very sad now robin yes. williams you are sad i am sad <laughs> um but he doesn't just change the number on the ad nadia what else does he do to fuck with his wife he he changes two two full numbers on the ad and then he starts prank calling her <laughs> with a bunch of terrible terrible other options so that she has to like Mrs. Doubtfire, including a woman who just screams into the phone. Yeah. Uh, another one who, it, it's a very racist one, who just says, I have job or I, I am job. I am job. And it's captioned as uh, Spanish accent. <laughs> oh, great. I didn't watch with captions when I should have. Um, and she was just picking up the phone and being freaked out. Uh, one included... Uh, a trans joke. Yes. <laughs> which was, I don't watch boys because I used to be one. Yeah, I don't mess with the males because I used to be one. Yes. Like, so a couple things. One, trans panic joke, really dated, um, not good. But like, I mean, it's Robin doing bits. Like, surely his own wife would recognize <laughs> her voice actor husband. Right doing a bit like if i did this to stacy if i made any one of these calls to stacy she would immediately be like tony what the fuck are you doing (laughs) that's why i love (laughs) stacy she wouldn't even be nice about it she'd be like you are an idiot please stop calling me (laughs) so i'm i'm surprised she doesn't recognize uh him huge plot hole huge plot hole but um eventually so he has all these nightmare candidates call her because when he does call her as a serious candidate mrs taffer um he uh he's going to look so great by comparison so he calls as this uh kindly old british nanny um he does a phone call as Mrs. Doubtfire. He he improvises her name on the fly based on a newspaper headline. And there's a little, I mean, it it is saying the title of the the movie as a line of dialogue. And there's a little music cue when he does it. Oh, I loved um, that. So automatic A plus for this film. I take back my previous critiques. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps shooting back up. Yeah, but um, okay. So he's he he gets a job or he he gets an interview and so now he's got to disguise himself as mrs doubtfire and that's where harvey firestein comes in his homosexual brother his homosexual brother (laughs) (laughs) so they they do prosthetics and a bunch of other stuff they put him in wigs and nails and different outfits ton of riffs like they they do a barbara streisand yeah robin was like i want to do barbara streisand for like two minutes can we keep it all in the film and all of them look like him there's no real disguise it's just him in drag in a wig yeah yeah and it's i mean he doesn't look bad i mean i think they do a pretty good job of giving him lots of different character looks but it's not enough until they put him in plaster and create a whole new prosthetic face with a wig and his brother finally says if it was any better you'd look like mom (laughs) and so mrs doubtfire was born yeah harvey firestein of course maybe best known for uh also dressing as a fat older lady uh and originating the role of edna turnblad uh in hairspray (laughs) 
One of the bests. Yeah. Um, okay, so Mrs. Doubtfire goes to the house, introduces herself to Miranda and the children. Um, the daughter is moody and ang- the older daughter is moody and angry. Um, Mara Wilson's great. Uh, she's fine with it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it seems to it seems to work. Uh, yeah, pretty well. well he, he's he knows them so well he can lie as Mrs. Doubtfire by yeah. you know mentioning that she loves reading Stuart Little, which yes, is the yes. little baby's favorite, and she played soccer in college, which is the boy's favorite thing. But he weirdly had no information about his own eldest <laughs> daughter. <laughs> so, uh, I'm coming up dry. Okay, yeah. well. <laughs> he's like, I guess I don't know you that well. Um, and then, uh, Miss Stoutfire heads home, bus driver hits on her on the way home. I guess that's funny, uh, cause Are we supposed it... to think that's sweet? No, I, I think it's, I think it's a laugh line. No. Um, and then, uh, and then he gets home and there's immediately a wrinkle, uh, in his plan, which is that he forgot that his fucking divorce court caseworker, uh, is there to check on daniel could we call it a run in his pantyhose (laughs) instead (laughs) so he realizes there's a run in his pantyhose and his his divorce court caseworker is uh i'm gonna leave that all in his divorce court caseworker is there she's like uh yeah i'm here to see daniel and uh and mrs doubtfire has to be like oh yes i'm his sister uh his much older yeah his much older sister so if you've seen the movie if you remember any scene from this movie you probably remember this one (laughs) um he's just panicking getting in and out of mrs doubtfire based on the conversations that he's feeding into this woman she's just reacting everything he's everything he's saying is a double entendre (laughs) yeah if he could just stop talking for one second it would be fine but then he dropped his well first of all he's undressing and then redressing in front of an open window and his tiny teenage neighbors are watching him do it a recurring theme that's going to come up is robin williams opsec for this whole thing is terrible just never doesn't lock enough doors like doesn't close enough windows just it has not has is not in practice for this not at all so the kids see him finally with no wig on no face on but he's got the lady body on and they're like sick and there's your first moment of trans panic and then he drops his face his prosthetic face it it came it fell off of the little mannequin and a truck ran over it so he's (laughs) fucked He's fucked. And he needs he needs a face. He's got to come <laughs> for some reason. Face. He's got to come back out as Mrs. Doubtfire um, to make this caseworker a cup of tea. And the exact line of dialogue, and I don't remember the context, is "I'm not a Muslim. I need a face." <laughs> yeah, because he wanted to put on a towel over his. Face. Oh yes, yes, that's right. right. Yeah. Um, so the only solution. The only solution is to stick his face in a cake. As if he's wearing a face mask. Which, yeah, you know what? I like it. I like skin care. I think it, it promotes a lot of good skin care. I oh. like that he has a full tier of a wedding cake in his fridge for no reason. 
He had it for his kids when they came to visit, probably. And honestly, the scene where he's got the case. So he's got the case. So now it's Robin Williams in a wig, not wearing a mask, but he's stuck his face in vanilla frosting. And now he's talking in this British accent to the caseworker. Um, and he's making her tea. And then the, the cake, the frosting is literally falling off his face into the tea which honestly is very funny i did laugh at that that was that was really good and the the lady she excuses herself mrs doubtfire excuses herself and the lady starts putting the frosting on her face because she hears that from mrs doubtfire that it's actually pretty good for wrinkles yeah So, so that was good but overall that scene super funny um, the one thing we missed was the one thing that my mom, sister, and I say to each other, which is, hello! Hello! <laughs> Iconic. Indelible. Just yeah. untouchable Robin Williams. <laughs> uh, very, it, it, it honestly is a great performance. Um, we're, we're vacillating between hating the movie and loving Robin Williams, but he's a part of the movie so deeply that it's mm. just hard. It's hard to put one foot in one place. Yeah. Another the other, the, the other thing I want to bring up uh, before we get to the montage, because uh, there will be a montage, uh, is <laughs> um, it is a mid '90s movie. Uh, is uh, his first full day with the kids, and he um, he's a hard ass as mm-hmm. Mrs. Doubtfire to the kids, the way Daniel never was. Right. Um, and uh, and of course, there's an iconic scene where he tries to make dinner and sets himself on fire. You know, as someone with boobs, it's very, very uh, possible <laughs> for that to happen if you're not careful. Why does it my, smell like burnt rubber? My first day as a woman, woman I'm already having uh, hot I'm flashes. I'm already having hot flashes. Uh, <laughs> zing. Um, it was great. That made me laugh really hard. I do want to call out one thing in this scene. So uh, Robin Williams, he has his first day with the kids, a fairly successful day. Uh, dinner is a disaster. He sets himself on fire and he orders uh, from a restaurant and basically plates it uh, so that it looks like he cooked it. And my wife, Stacy, pointed out that one of the items in the food order are carrots that are like full carrots. They're not baby carrots, but for some reason they're like one eighth the size of a normal carrot. Yeah. With stems. And she's like, where the fuck are they getting those? <laughs> yeah, okay. My, my question logically is, uh, w- wouldn't they notice that the pots and pans are dirty with other food that was burnt? Okay, and then my other question on top of that is, what the fuck was his plan? He was just going to learn to cook the day of? Yeah, <laughs> a pinch of basil. And oh, and like, what happened to the bag? Did he have to throw the bag away? Because what if they go into the kitchen, they open the thing, and it says Valentino's restaurant on it? Yeah, like, you know mm. what? I'm actually I'm putting all the blame for this on Columbus now. <laughs> you fucked up Rent. You fucked up Mrs. Doubtfire. Did he direct Rent? Yeah, he directed Rent. Oh, he did fuck that up. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I, I I think it's fine. Um, it's it's not its best. Uh, the he he did the first Harry Potter movie and he did the second one too I think right he did and that was the worst one. Oh really okay I, I would, think in my personal I, opinion I would flip them uh in in my head but uh let's get to the montage there's a montage okay. <laughs> yes let's not about Harry Potter yeah it's it's dude looks like a lady by Aerosmith 
I don't know if you got the joke there, but it's it's that Robin Williams is a dude and he dresses like a lady. Did you get it? Did you not? <laughs> did you you got the joke? You got it? You I, I just want to make sure you got it that it was clear. Uh, also the uh, what's the song? Oh, when he's when they're uh, doing his makeup, it's uh, "Luck Be a Lady Tonight." Right. Um, because he's gonna he's gonna yeah. be a lady. Pretty good music cues here. <laughs> um, so he's playing soccer with uh with the sun he's riding bikes he's doing there's a lot of shots of him dancing with the vacuum just a lot of that yeah and with the broom doing air guitar yeah it's like we need this for the trailer and we're just gonna leave (laughs) it in the film it's only two hours and 10 minutes long it's fine i think those extra Um, 10 minutes was this montage (laughs) he reads oh and in this montage when they're riding their bikes Mrs. Doubtfire is being a little perv and checking out all the women rollerblading around her. That is fucked up. <laughs> and he has, Robin Williams has his uh, kid in the back on the, like, a little, like, car seat. And he's yeah. going to roll off of this hill because he's too busy checking out someone's ass. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Um, and uh, there is one funny scene, I thought, where he beats up a, a purse snatcher. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. That was really great. Um, but when the montage ends, uh, a bleak reality is introduced, <laughs> which is Miranda's new boy toy is over at the house. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan. Uh, and, shit. And so Robin Williams responds the only way he knows how, by zinging him a whole bunch. Yeah, and, and destroying his car. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite zing, though, was when Pierce Brosnan says, I'm from London, your your accent sounds a little muddled, and he... <laughs> She says, so does your tan. <laughs> that was so good. That's good. Um, yeah, it's like, oh, stew. Well, that's more of a thick soup than a name, don't you think? Um, <laughs> stew uh, is uh, Pierce Brosnan's character's name. Yes, and, and saying that he has a big fancy car because he's compensating for small genitals, which she yes. stra- straight up said. Yes. <laughs> it was it was interesting. But I obviously the... The takeaway is that he's very hostile to his new to his new competition that his wife is clearly into and yet is in disguise <laughs> duping his family in in an attempt to get close to them. I think that you know there were other ways to do this. And it's like and so this is one of the most fucked up things I think that happens in the movie is Miranda asks Mrs. Doubtfire, whose cover story is that she's a widow. Miranda asks Mrs. Doubtfire, like, for advice. Right. For, and it's like, how long after Mr. Doubtfire died did you start to feel horny again? And it's like, it's <laughs> it's worded better than that, but yeah. it's pretty close to that. Yeah. And, and Mrs. Doubtfire's like, oh, I never did. The only, sol- the, the quote I have written down here is, the only solution, dear, is total lifelong celibacy. And that's that's just (laughs) that's that's so fucked up, incredibly fucked up thing to say while you're in disguise. Just let Sally feel be horny. Come on. (laughs) And it's Um, Pierce Brosnan. Come on. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's fucked up. Um, And and so that is disturbing. And as fucked up as that is, the next scene gets worse. Because so it is when Chris, the son, uh, is doing his homework. He, it's during the day. It's after school. He gets up. He goes to the bathroom. And Robin Williams, who, again, terrible OPSEC, um, <laughs> has not locked the door. Um, so Chris walks in on Mrs. Doubtfire. 
pissing standing up. And, and then at, the trans panic. Yeah, as we alluded to earlier, his immediate response is to run to his sister and yell, call 911. <sighs> so much. Okay, the, I got so uncomfortable watching that scene because I remember as a kid I felt uncomfortable watching mm-hmm. that scene. Because I didn't understand boy, because I grew up with all sisters. So I didn't mm. understand, like, why was he standing up to pee? And then it was like figuring out how that all worked. And then as an adult watching this, I was like, oh, this is really, really bad. This is yeah. not this is not what I expected, how I expected anybody to find out anything. I forgot that this had happened. And it's yeah. actually really f- super fucked up and traumatizing it, to these children. And then he's like, don't tell anybody. Yeah. So, so okay. So, you know, the sun, the sun runs in and he said, you got to call 911. He's half man, half woman. He's a she, she's a she, she. You know, there, there's that exchange. And Daniel comes in. He's still dressed as Miss Doubtfire. He comes clean, right? Right. And um, and uh, it's the older son and the older daughter. Mara Wilson's not in on this. Um, but he explains. He's like, "This is the only way I could see you." Um, and they're like, "Okay." <laughs> and they're and they're like, "Okay." And then Robin Williams says that famous phrase that every cool good dad uses: "This'll be our little secret." Oh, so which, creepy. Which is, if your dad says that to you while he's dressed like an older woman in defiance of a court order, uh, you're in trouble. Yeah, and the kids were like, yeah, for sure. Thanks for doing this, I guess. The one, the one part of it that, obviously, you have to have a little bit of groundedness in the way that the kids react. So, obviously, the first thing is f- being freaked out. But the second yes. was Chris asking, like, you don't really like wearing all that stuff, do you? Yeah. And I think that's like a that's a valid question when you see your father wearing different outfits every day, like picking you up from school, all of these different things, and it's like, oh, so this is a thing you do every day, and do you like doing this for us? <laughs> this is interesting, but like there obviously there was a lot of judgment in it in in a in a very transphobic way and like he wouldn't even touch his dad's hand and that kind of thing but it was but then they immediately think that that's that it's fine yeah because it's him yeah yeah, it's you dad you're crazy you do all these silly voices this is fine (laughs) even though you probably have done that voice multiple times throughout my childhood that was not (laughs) on camera never recognized look speaking as a dad right now i have four voices <laughs> can we hear them and my my daughter's heard every single one of them I, I would love a sample well no they're all just variants of the different frank oz characters on sesame street oh, <laughs> so, <nice. laughs> so I, like i have a grover i have a burt i have a cookie monster uh those are those are like the main ones and That's then i have my good. normal speaking voice <laughs> <laughs> every every voice I do when I read stories is a variant on one of those. That's great. Okay, well, for the rest of the show, you have to be Cookie Monster. I'm not going to be Cookie Monster. That's just for my daughter. Uh, so. That's the special bonus episode at the end of the season. <laughs> um, the uh, So it, it, then there's, like, more fucked up conversations with Sally Field where he's like, as oh, Mrs. Doubtfire talking to Sally Field about why they, di- why she got a divorce, how was Daniel in bed? Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it, this is insane. It's really, the one part that made me laugh was when she was talking about her ex-husband who had passed 
this fake man who had passed yeah. away. She said, as I hold this cold meat, I'm reminded of Winston. Yes. <laughs> That's a great laugh line for me. But overall, a very fucked up conversation because Miranda also just lets out that he wasn't that good in bed anymore. <laughs> Like, that's what you get for being nosy. Yeah, he does deserve that. Also, he was probably um, really selfish. Considering how selfish he was in the relationship, I'm sure in bed he was very selfish. Don't be selfish, you guys. There's three lines in the upcoming scene that I think are are worth highlighting. The upcoming scene is at the country club. So Pierce Brosnan (laughs) brings... You can probably guess what they all are. But Pierce Brosnan brings the family, including Mrs. Doubtfire, who goes with the family wherever they go, even though her primary responsibility is childcare. And when Miranda's around, taking them places, they don't need her there. Yeah, but (laughs) they love her because she's become part of the family. She's become part of the family. Which is everything that he wanted as a dad if he only had tried harder. Uh, So they go to the country club, and um, the first thing is... Daniel says to himself, what am I doing here? This is beyond obsession. <laughs> and I like that line because it's accurate. Yeah. Um, Daniel, as Mrs. Doubtfire, gets drunk off his ass at the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and a hot woman gets a drink at some <laughs> point and he forgets that he's dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire. And he like winks at her and like tells the bartender in Daniel voice, it's on me. And the woman's like, no. <laughs> But then, I mean, you can guess what my other favorite line is. It was a run by fruit. It was a run by fruit. That is the best. One of the best scenes. The, the, the Foley artist who did that scene deserved all of the awards. He's, uh, well, Pierce, okay, yeah, go, explain why. what happened. There's yeah. a reason why. Okay. So this is where I think Pierce Brosnan is actually a really great partner for Miranda. So he runs into his friend because it's his own country club. He's got his pals. And he's like, oh, like, what's going on here? We're around three kids. Someone who never wants to have kids and always talks about how he doesn't like them. And he's like, no, I'm crazy about these kids. I'm crazy about Miranda. She's really amazing. That, that's the thing is he comes out in this scene as just being like, a very caring, nice person. Super great. And obviously he's very successful. He's part of a country club. Like for every reason to like this dude, I like this dude. As an adult, as a kid, you're like, oh, I don't like him because he calls Daniel a loser. Apparently, because that's what Miranda has told but him But he's about. also, like, he also could have, like, shit on him way more than he actually did he really could have he really could have and he's just like he just kind of like he's a loser and then he moves on to something else which i think is probably the best you can hope for not only that but he went to go take his new little family that he's like trying to get into some iced tea at a at a pool that they know they don't normally have access to like it was a really nice thing and then daniel's like all pissed off because he's in disguise defying a court order and he like throws a lime at his head and then yeah. says it was a run by fruity yeah. Thro- nails pierce brosnan in the back of the head <laughs> with a so lime good. and then and it says it's a run by fruity which i i i saw this on twitter like this week because everyone's always talking about mrs doubtfire on twitter it was like he had to swap out two words in the phrase right he swapped out drive for run and he swapped out shooting for fruiting (laughs) and trusted the audience to work with it and they did (laughs) that was the hardest laugh of the movie for me for sure oh yeah no it's a great great moment in the film 
But again, Team Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> yeah, we're on. I am on Team Pierce Brosnan. He also gets. Um, he also like impresses one of the executives at the TV station where he works as Daniel. Right. Um, He's just a, messing around after hours without because the guy who has the the PBS show. This is KTVU is PBS. Just okay. So, yeah. Okay. So. Uh, this guy has this dinosaur show and it's really, really boring. And so Daniel goes onto the set to pick up some of the tapes because he's, he t- ships tapes and starts doing riffs on the brontosaurus and the raptor because he's a rapper. Yeah, James James Brown, James Brontosaurus. Like, there's some... <laughs> yeah, there's some, it's, he's it's riffing, fine. He's riffing, man. Riff it's city. fine. He's riffing hard. They probably could have edited that down a little bit. <laughs> but whatever. The, the executive man with a white beard, he kind of looks like a great value Santa, comes in, <laughs> comes in, clapping, is like, you're amazing, I want all of your ideas, you're going to have dinner with me next Friday at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock, Bridges Restaurant. Mm-hmm. Then. Uh-oh. <laughs> sure enough, as Mrs. Doubtfire, back at uh, back at the Hillard's house, um, it, it's Miranda's birthday's coming up. She's like, you know, Stu is taking us all to dinner. You're part of the family. You got to come with us. We're gonna be. It's gonna be 7 p.m. on Friday, at Bridges Restaurant. And no, folks, we got a two dates to the dance situation here. <laughs> but it's not only two dates to the dance. It's two costumes. Yes. So his his plan, which is a bad plan. <laughs> is I'm going to go to the restaurant as Mrs. Doubtfire with the Hillards. I'm going to keep changing in and out of my costume in the bathroom and take this serious business meeting that's going to determine my career at the same time that I continue to impersonate a woman in order to get closer to my family in defiance of a court order. (laughs) And we are at the restaurant. And we're at the restaurant. First of all... (laughs) Wearing a fucking red jacket for the business meeting is a really bold move. Um, well, his uh, suit to court was like a bright blue, <laughs> so I think that's all he's got. Um, the other thing is all the fucked up stuff that, as Mrs. Doubtfire, he says to Pierce Brosnan. Oh, yeah. Um, so while he's at dinner with the Hillard family, you know, like Miranda gets up to use the bathroom or something, and he leans over to, to Pierce Brosnan and... And she's like, I hope you're up for a little competition, dear. She's got a power tool in the bedroom. I'm amazed she hasn't chipped her teeth. Which, first of all, no reason Mrs. Doubtfire would know that. No! Not at all. It's, so many lines are crossed in in this just one restaurant. This poor, poor Pierce Brosnan has been so kind to the whole family, including Mrs. Doubtfire. And Mrs. Doubtfire is being such a little B-word. <laughs> And, and he um, he's going back and forth, and he's talking to the TV exec as well. And in both tables, he's drinking heavily. Oh, so yeah. So he, he ends up getting drunk off his ass, um, and that, I would say, severely inhibits his judgment. Um, Absolutely. And while they're having dinner, Pierce Brosnan orders his jambalaya. Jambalaya. <laughs> but he says, no cayenne pepper because I'm severely, severely allergic to it. Yeah, and I, and which first of all, what a cursed existence! Being allergic to cayenne, but your favorite food is jambalaya. <laughs> it it was interesting. It was an interesting choice. But 
So in between going back and forth and put going into the bathroom, leaving all of the Mrs. Doubtfire costume all over the bathroom. Yeah. And then coming back to the women's bathroom, putting it back on. Just it's just chaos. He invites himself into the kitchen and like, nobody in the kitchen says anything. Like what the fuck? And then covers Pierce Brosnan's jambalaya in cayenne pepper. First okay. of all, how did he know where to find it? Yeah. Also, so is the plan I get to that, murder him? Right, is the plan I'm going to murder Pierce Brosnan? Yes. He wants to kill the bastard. Like, and I get that he's drunk, but even so. No, no, no. See, when I'm drunk, I cry. I don't think about murdering someone. Yeah. It's a very different experience. So eventually, uh, it's just going back and forth. We're, yeah. we're Mrs. Doubtfire, we're not. He's drunk. He does, at one point, he does go to the TV executive's table as Mrs. Doubtfire by mistake. Right. But, but <laughs> he saves it. He saves it um, by saying, oh, I'm going to host the show as Mrs. Doubtfire. Because I'm a granny with an attitude, young man, and I can yo-yo and make a mean cup of cocoa. <laughs> it's horrifying. And yeah. the guy the guy loves it, though. He's yeah, I, it. it doesn't make any sense, because I think yeah. Daniel would be a better host than Mrs. Doubtfire would, but right. whatever. Now, the next part I don't understand for two <laughs> reasons. So Pierce Brosnan get, gets his jambalaya. There's a shrimp. And so he takes a bite of the shrimp. He starts choking on the shrimp anaphylactic shock yeah <laughs> but but if he's going into anaphylactic shock why would he be choking right and, to and, need the heimlich and the heimlich maneuver would not have saved him that's exactly right <laughs> right so somebody needed the EpiPen, but maybe they like the budget went all towards the costume instead of an EpiPen. i don't know i don't nothing none of that makes sense but... yeah you know how expensive it is to make a small plastic <laughs> tube <laughs> With an orange cap. Yeah. I have an EpiPen. They're they're really not hard to make. So yeah. they're like, She's ch- he's choking, he's choking. And Mrs. Doubtfire runs across the restaurant. Help is on the, the way, restaurant dear. And gives in the Heimlich, remove, Heimlich maneuver, and they fall to the ground. The shrimp flies out. Even though Pierce Brosnan chewed on the shrimp, it came out whole. <laughs> it regenerated into a whole shrimp onto the table. <laughs> and... Unfortunately, his mask wasn't on correctly, and he was... Outs himself uh, as Daniel. And (sighs) obviously... Sally Field freaks out! Freaks out, and rightfully so. Just the whole time! The whole time! Just, (laughs) just... Because she was talking about not fucking for the whole time. Just imagine... It's bad. Imagine what anyone else in the restaurant must have been thinking people have been like what the fuck is going on it's like oh god a dude's choking oh thank god a woman's giving him a high look oh what the fuck that woman's actually a man in disguise that's weird oh that woman's been running a months long con on this entire family it was i i felt deeply deeply stressed out yeah. That entire section of the movie. But, you know, there's no reprieve from that feeling because now we're back in family court. Yeah, you never like to say this phrase, but smash cut to family court. <laughs> and the judge rightfully takes away custody and gives him supervised custody. And which on, is... 
Honestly, the judge is the the closest thing to the audience surrogate that I think we have. Yeah, he the, he wants Daniel to go into psychological evaluation. That. He wants to pick it up after a year of of him going to therapy and having supervised visits, which I think is absolutely I, fair. Completely fair. Proposal. I think it's actually pretty nice for what he did. I will also say, Daniel. Uh, decides at this point in the proceedings that he's not going to have a lawyer anymore. Um, yeah, and that's he's called represent out, himself. Representing himself pro se, which, one, I'm not a lawyer. I just listen to a lot of podcasts. But, like, one, never <laughs> do that. Never yeah. represent yourself if you... And then, two, never represent yourself in family court. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, his his whole argument is that he just wanted to spend time with his kids. The literal and, the literal line, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I have to say this line because it was so incredible to me that this made it into the script. I can only plead insanity because I'm crazy about my kids. Boo. <laughs> I okay, now I'm going to go into how deeply psychologically damaging this is for the children and nobody's talking about it. Yeah. Especially Natty, who's 5. She, like, fell in love with Mrs. Doubtfire, who was, like, a really great role model for her. Obviously, the older kids had to deal with keeping the secret for God knows how long, because we don't really know how long this had been going on. And then, and then, like, it all comes to a head at a restaurant in public. Like, this is something that's going to be unpacked for many years to come. And there and and Sally Field is like actually crushed that this is what the court has decided. It's like I bet you that you scheduled this court session here so that you could tell the court what happened. And then she's like horrified that he actually faced consequences. I don't I don't like that. <laughs> uh so as it turns out, like the kids are sad that she's gone. Yeah. Um, even though she doesn't exist. She's not um, real. And, uh, but. And so is but, Miranda. She's really bummed. She's really bummed. It's. They're it's reminiscing about weird. the great times with Mrs. Telfire. <laughs> it's really kind of fucked up. Because, like, if you're Miranda, like, the second you reminisce about a great time, wouldn't you immediately be like, oh, yeah, but then there was that thing in the restaurant. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but then there was the continuous gaslighting and deceit and also scamming of $300 a week. (laughs) Oh, yeah, also, he told my boyfriend about my vibrator. Right, exactly. Um, It's it's too much. uh, But they see her again on the TV. What? Because she ended up getting the nature show. Good for her. He's performing as Mrs. Doubtfire. And, uh... She, uh, Miranda comes to visit him at the studio and, uh, and they kind of come to an agreement, which is that, uh, they're going to ignore family court and he can hang out with his kids after school. I want to call out the fight that they had. The nature of their fight is, gives us a lot of information of what their relationship was like because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of blaming on both of their parts, but... She was basically saying, you need to take responsibility for what you did. And then he was like, you took the kids away from me. So that's why I had to do that. And, like, turned it back on her. Yeah. Which is, like, really fucked up. And didn't make me want to root for him at all. So it was, it's it's a very, I think it's an interesting scene that Chris Columbus kept in there. It might have just been better if she was like, look, 
this is what's happening versus having that whole scene because then it still puts Miranda in the shitty position of having a shitty person to co-parent with. Yeah. But unless he's in full costume. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they stay divorced. He ends up, you know, seeing his kids regularly as Daniel. Um, and then I, I, I do want to touch on the closing monologue for a second. Um, yeah, the really, really sad, sad thing <laughs> to say to a child. So basically... The final scene is um, Daniel, like, showing up to the house, but you hear a voiceover from Mrs. Doubtfire on the TV show, and she's reading a letter from a viewer who's like, my parents are getting divorced, um, what the fuck, like, basically. <laughs> yeah. And and what the monologue says is like, well, there are all sorts of different families, Katie, there are, it's more like just generic leprechaun than Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, like, Dude, you sound like the Lucky Charms guy. <laughs> there are all sorts of different families, Katie. Um, and it's interesting because, like, there are some families that only have a mommy. There are some families that only have a daddy. Some families where a mommy is remarried. There are some families with a mommy and a daddy. Pointedly, there are no references to gay couples in this Not at all. at all. Not at all. <laughs> it was really disappointing. Also, I kind of want to know what happens with Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Like, we don't see him again after the restaurant. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, it ends on, like, this monologue. Like, there are all sorts of different families, but they all love each other, and that's what's important. Bye. And that's <laughs> literally how the movie ends, is yeah. with Mrs. Doubtfire saying bye. Bye. Um, and, uh, you know, this this movie is a smash success. It won awards. It's a, I mean, it's a classic. And if you, if you pointed a gun at someone's head and said, name a Robin Williams film, like... <laughs> They'd probably, I don't know why the fuck you would do that, but they'd probably say this one. Like, this yeah. is one of his most famous movies. I would say Flubber. Oh. <laughs> Just to be an asshole. And, and, and so, I mean, it's, it's interesting because it had a huge cultural impact. I would say it's more enduring than The Nutty Professor, even yeah. though uh, it is, they both involve former stand-up comedians wearing fat suits. Right. Um, but, but again, it is purely because of William's performance. Yeah. Um, the script. Yeah, and, I, I, yeah. I think it's one of, one of the best performances. It's just fun to watch. Yeah. And if, you know, our job is to look at things with a critical eye and being like, how did this get made in the time that it was made? And is it, does it hold up? And in a sense, the whole movie, no, but... <laughs> But Robin Williams is so good that yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I would I would agree with you. I mean, like watching this, especially coming out of Nutty Professor, watching this was delightful. Most Such of the a time. delight. There were so there were a couple fun. a couple points which we mentioned where I'm like, wow, that's really fucked up. But like, there was yeah. Nutty, Nutty Professor cost me physical pain. Like <laughs> I was watching this, I'm like, I'm not enjoying myself at all, and I right. I uh, would rather be doing anything else. But this I actually enjoyed. Um, yeah, it's great. It's good, and I think Sally Field played uh, played it very well. Yeah, she and she did the right. Yeah. As much as they wanted to make her out to be like the uptight wife they humanized her and gave her real reasons why and ultimately daniel learned the lesson that like he was shitty before and he only had to get in costume to get not shitty so, so that's the real lesson yeah i think so i do want to uh, highlight someone who did not think this movie was very good at all oh is our is it our friend roger ebert 
No, it's not Ebert. Um, uh, it is Robert Fares, who wrote for the Austin Chronicle, oh. uh, a review in 1993. Um, imagine a lost episode of Gilligan's Island in which Gilligan, feeling neglected, dons a dress, wig, and lipstick, and passes himself off as a newly shipwrecked debutante. He fools everyone until he tries to be both him and her at a dinner and bumble-switching identities. Now you have the precise level of sophistication powering this new quote-unquote comedy from director Chris Columbus. He and co-writer Leslie Dixon, no strangers to aiming low at audience IQs, shoot off the bottom of the charts here. With co-writer Randy Mayhem Singer, they take an inane premise, divorced dad restricted to once-weekly visits with his kids, masquerades his elderly British widow to spend more time with them, and so load it... <laughs> with imbecilic characters, strained coincidences, and blatant continuity gaps that any self-respecting second grader will feel her intelligence has been insulted. Whoa. Williams, yeah. <laughs> Williams is Daniel, an actor with an inner child the size of Montana who's baffled when his type A wife calls it quits after 14 years of his immaturity. With his makeup artist brother, Firestein, whose character is gay, apparently just to score cheap laughs, he can cut... <laughs> I think it's because Harvey Firestein's gay. Uh, he concocts yeah. the painfully elaborate Doubtfire guys, complete with bodysuit and latex mask. A thinking moviegoer might suspect Daniel is initially a jerk, so Mrs. Doubtfire can be the alter ego who draws out his maturity. But Doubtfire never gets her own identity. Daniel is always there, just under the rubber, jealous of his ex's new beau, and making bizarre comments to discourage her from dating him. We're forced to watch this jerk be a jerk in both sexes, albeit with repeated reminders of how much he adores his kids. For every scene of Williams being quote-unquote funny, there's a mm. lengthy shot of him gazing moist-eyed at his brood. His, <laughs> his scheme unravels, yes, at a dinner where Daniel tries to be himself and Mrs. Doubtfire simultaneously, and, you know, it's handled so preposterously, with Daniel making complex costume changes in seconds. It makes Gilligan appear the hallmark of realism. <laughs> Only, this movie hasn't the nostalgia factor of a silly 60s sitcom to make it easier to swallow. It's just raw, uncoated stupidity that sticks in your throat one star. Wow, yeah. that is so accurate, though. It, it's accurate, but yeah, he really fucking torched this. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I that was a really impassioned review. <laughs> Good for him. Well, I bet you he was probably, like, hated by most people. They're like, this guy gave Mrs. Delphire a bad review. I'm sure they ran him out of Austin on a rail. Uh, <laughs> what uh, What do our friends at commonsensemedia.org uh, have to say? Well, Besides pal, the plot summary. I was pleasantly surprised. There were 118 kid reviews and only 30 uh, adult reviews. And I like to get a little bit of both. So I... I, I combed through as many as I could. The parent ones were the funniest for sure. There was a, a parent of a 12-year-old who said, funny, but very questionable. I let my kids watch this without supervision under the terms that if it got racy, they were to turn it off. I left for the store and when I returned, they had stopped watching it. Mrs. Doubtfire is a decent movie with some real laugh out loud parts, but it's very racy. There are incountable sexual innuendos that can get raunchy in addition to language recommended for old teens and adults only her kids are very uh they listen I, my mom never was like turning anything off if it was racy it was like okay i'm gonna go get food <laughs> let's let's watch this movies that mom said i can't watch um okay parent writes 
questionable for kids under 13. I remembered seeing and loving this movie when it came out in theaters 21 years ago. Now that Robin Williams has tragically left us, I wanted to see it again with my 12 and 14 year old children. I had forgotten all the bad language and many sexual innuendos, as well as some excessive drinking that were in this movie. I, w I was not yet a parent when it came out, so I did not watch it with the same mind frame that I do now. My 12 year old asked me, what's foreplay? Because it is mentioned in the movie. I was not happy about that. Had I remembered this content, I would not have let my 12-year-old see this film or for at least another year. Okay, but, like, kids, learn what foreplay is. <laughs> no! I mean, yes, but... Like, from, know, a pra like from a practical standpoint. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if you're old enough to have sex, you're old enough to do foreplay. Yes, please, uh, for everyone's sake. Okay, so these were the kid reviews. Somehow a seven-year-old wrote this review. Uh, somehow a seven-year-old knows how to use a computer and find <laughs> commonsensemedia.org. Um, this movie teaches you to be yourself, to not pretend to be someone you're not, and to never give up on your family, which I thought was cute. 15-year-old uh, teen and future annoying film major in our film analysis class says, <laughs> I hate this one, a very good film, but kids are going to have to notice some yellow flags. This film is really good. I'm being honest. It's my third favorite movie behind Schindler's List and Jurassic Park. But just like those other two films, Mrs. Doubtfire is one of the greatest films of 1999, and it does a good job of setting you up in an emotional place. For example, there are some times throughout the film where you're probably laughing so hard you can't breathe, or sometimes where you cry, feeling emotional due to how the characters feel. Because the plot of the story is emotional, which shows a couple being divorced, and the dad disguises himself thanks to his brother, and it's actually a good idea for a comedy drama film. However, I can't... <laughs> this is the kid that, a, like, talks a lot, you know Real, I mean? uh, real roller coaster here, not... <laughs> <laughs> However, I cannot let this movie go without adding some critique to it. Okay, so let's start with the fact that there are a few sexual references throughout the movie, but that's why I got a PG-13 rating, and a majority of them will probably go over kids' heads. Also, for a Robin Williams comedy, there is a lot of language. The website says, which is probably Common Sense Media, that there was an F-word in the film, but I watched the movie twice, and I never heard it in it. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't actually think there is a fuck word in the movie. No, he does, um, he flips off Pierce Brosnan in the window. Yes. That's it. Uh, this is a very good movie. It's understandable of making second place at the box office during the time it was released, and this is a good movie for 11+. plus. But anyone under that should definitely have a parent or guardian with them. I had to include that one because I feel like we all went to school with that kid. Yes. You know? Well, yeah. some of us were that kid. Ew, uh, Tony! Oh, no. Am I that kid because we have this podcast? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I've become someone I don't like. <laughs> anyway, so those are the reviews. Uh, generally really positive, but mostly focused on the innuendo. Yeah, well, there's a lot of it in there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I would say this is one, you know, go back and watch it, folks, and then be like, oh, that's messed up. <laughs> I forgot. I guess maybe just learning about how to be a better human being that this isn't how to be <laughs> yeah but i do remember loving this movie and it's just solely because of robin williams and i will say that when he passed i had i was dating a straight man at the time mm -hmm. and they were it was a 
it was a Sunday and it was NFL Sunday, and which is a very lonely time for a girl <laughs> who's dating a straight man. And I went to the bathroom and I cried because yeah. I couldn't show my real emotions. And that was a it was a really sad thing. And I, I miss him. He's very he was very funny. I literally found out on the way to therapy. Oh, no. And uh, and then that was like what I talked about in therapy for like the next hour. <laughs> it's really devastating to have lost somebody so talented. Yeah. But he, he gave us a lot to, to watch. So sorry to the spirit of Robin Williams. We didn't mean to. There, there's also much better Robin Williams things you can watch than this movie. Yeah. Watch, yeah, watch Aladdin. Watch uh, Goodwill Hunting. Watch World's Greatest Dad. Watch uh, Jack. Uh, um, uh, good Morning Vietnam. Like, these are all, all good options. Yeah, and Jack is great. Watch Flubber for fun. Yeah, I mean, if you want to watch Flubber, I guess you can if watch you want Flubber. Yeah. <laughs> But ultimately, uh, bad script, good Robin. Yes, that I think I think we're we're uh, we're good on that. I think would we're aligned on that. Would this be something that you would watch with the meatball as she not, when she gets older? Not tonight. Oh yeah, I'd watch it. I'd watch it with her when she was older. Um, Cute. I might have to like explain what trans panic is to her at some point. <laughs> uh, and and gaslighting and yeah, but <laughs> and um, deceit. The great thing, the great thing about the meatball, I mean, there's a lot of great things about the meatball, but the great thing about the meatball is uh, she keeps uh, just switching uh, pronouns for all of her stuffed animals and, and figurines. Aww. So she already knows that gender is made up. Um, I and love I think that's that. lovely. Yeah. That's great. See, it's all ingrained in us from everyone else. Yeah. And if, as we've seen from this movie, it just causes problems. <laughs> <laughs> so. Gender causes problems, folks. On that note, it's probably shoulda uh, at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can also subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, probably whatever app you're using right now to listen to this. Yeah, and if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. Only if they're nice, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely only leave nice reviews because we can't handle any other stress right now, guys. There's a pandemic on. Uh, but there's a pandemic that, on like it's a TV show. It's just, uh, we're glad that, uh, we can help distract you from it in any event. So, uh, we will see you next week. Bye. That, that dude looks like a lady. 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 Shore. Her picture grace the grab on the door. She's a long lost love and first by it. And I may be wrong, but you know it's alright. Backstage we having the time of our lives until somebody said. Forgive me if I seem out of line Then she pulled out her gun She tried to blow